I'd like to welcome you all to our online worship together, wherever you are worshiping from and whatever day you are worshiping on. It is good to be with you. I am Pastor Leah, and I am uh, overjoyed to share this time together across time and space and place. Let us prepare our hearts and our minds for worship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of all mercy and consolation, come to the help of your people, turning us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may confess our sin, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by Christ's authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, Judge Eternal, you love justice and hate oppression, and you call us to share your zeal for truth. Give us courage to take our stand with all victims of bloodshed and greed, and following your servants and prophets, to look to the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our reading today is going to come from Hebrews, the 11th chapter. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and they and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, 
destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better, so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And this is the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the twelfth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, It is going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, we have gone from last week's story where Jesus is telling those gathered around him, do not be afraid, to Jesus saying in today's story, do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. And this is not exactly the kind of words and consistency we were hoping for from Jesus. And for those of you who have been paying extra close attention, you'll notice that both of those phrases, the do not be afraid and do you think I've come to bring peace? No, but rather division, are in the same chapter of Luke. They both come from chapter 12. And you may be wondering what to do with this story that seems to sound so unlike what we believe Jesus to be like. Once again, we are reminded that context is helpful, and we can briefly recall from last week how important it is to know that the Gospel of Luke was written down in the context of intense occupation and oppression by the Roman Empire, as well as it is helpful to know that this is, we're getting to the end here of Jesus' teaching ministry in Luke. From here on out in Luke, Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem and towards the cross, and he knows that his time to teach those disciples with him is running out. However, even when we know all of this, it still doesn't seem like enough 
or that it explains away what is going on here well enough. Perhaps some of our discomfort is about how we culturally understand conflict and division. In our world, we tend to view them as negative things which make us uncomfortable, and we often tend to deal with conflict in unhealthy ways because we don't want to make ourselves or others uncomfortable. Sometimes we deal with conflict by being really passive-aggressive towards each other, dropping little hints without being clear, and then feeling resentful towards another person or another group when nothing changes. And other times, we deal with conflict by completely losing our cool and sane or doing mean things to each other. In short, we often try to deal with conflict by either hiding it away and pretending it's not even there, or by showing it off in displays and in ways that are not helpful and are, and are hurtful. When conflict happens, we worry. We worry about how we will continue to function as a, nat- as a nation, how we could continue to function as friends, as siblings, as spouses and partners, and all our other relationships. We worry about how we will function as a church and everything in between. So let me ask you. What causes conflict and division? And let's try to think of some answers that think of all people who are in conflict together in the best possible light. Feel free to pause and to think about this for a moment, but I would like to suggest that all conflict and division happen when needs are not being met. So what do I mean by that? Well, allow me to start with an example from my own life and marriage. And uh, for those of you who don't know, my husband, Stephen, lives here in town with me, obviously, and is also a pastor. Um, so Stephen knows that I am telling you all this story, and he even okayed its use. So one of the things that can cause occasional conflicts between Stephen and I are the dishes. In our house, the rule is that if you cook, the other person does the dishes. And I love having a completely clean kitchen when we go to bed. There can be some of the hand washing dishes can be sitting out to dry, but I want everything to have been washed. It feels to me like a great way to start off the day by coming downstairs to a completely clean and organized and ready for the day kitchen. Stephen does not share this same feeling, and there are plenty of times when the hand washing is left on the counter unclean overnight. Now, he almost always will wash those dishes the next morning, but I have been known to be a bit frustrated when I need one of those still dirty hand wash dishes and conflict sometimes ensues. This conflict and division happen because of unmet needs. For me, I am frustrated because my need of feeling ready for the day and having all that I need clean and ready to make breakfast is not being met. Stephen gets frustrated with me because it feels like I don't respect or value his need to relax and spend time together after supper. And we can apply this to all other kinds of conflicts and divisions. Think of conflicts that have happened in your life. 
So for those of us who are maybe uh, a little younger, so my my kids' aged friends, my friends who are in grade school, when you want your sibling to share a toy or you don't want to share a toy with them, both of you have unmet needs about playing with that toy and having fun. Or if you're a little bit older, when there is conflict and division because you don't want to share your clothes with your siblings, there are unmet needs about wanting to fit in and protecting your clothes from being returned damaged. When there is conflict and division between particular groups of people underneath all of it, both groups have an unmet need of wanting to be seen and heard and know that they are valued in society, know that they are valued as human beings. When there is conflict and division between members of different political parties, it is about unmet needs and feeling as though the other side does not care about their needs. And we could go on and on and on with this, but the point is, since conflict and division are about unmet needs and not just something that is happening because we feel like being antagonists towards each other or because we feel like being mean, we can show each other a lot more compassion and understanding and love when we see and experience conflict and division. We don't have to see people as causing conflict for the sake of being mean, but it is for the sake of some kind of unmet need. So maybe when Jesus said he came to bring division, what he means is not that he's coming to intentionally pit people against each other for all time, but rather he came to unearth and show us the injustices and the unmet needs of this world to show us that the needs of people that Jesus died for, people that God so desperately loves, are not being met. And then to call us as his followers to respond to this division, to these unmet needs of all people with the love of Jesus Christ and not just sweep it under the rug. In this way, conflict and division are not bad or negative things, but rather are things that point out to us the pain of people and the pain of the world around us. And God invites us into noticing and caring about that pain. Acknowledging the pain of the world around us can be uncomfortable. It's easy to want to ignore it. It is hard to accept that there are systems in our world designed to keep people down. And yet, this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to show us that the divisions and the unmet needs of our siblings in the world and invites us to participate in God's kingdom where those things will be no more. This is hard and selfless and daunting work, but we do it because we know the transformational power of God's love for us in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. As I said earlier in these passages from Luke, Jesus is looking towards Jerusalem, is looking towards his last days, is looking towards the cross. Conflict and division will take Jesus to the cross because the world could not handle what Jesus was telling them about the kingdom of God. 
In nailing Jesus to the cross and crucifying him, the world thought that it was putting an end to the divisions, an end to the announcements of the unmet needs that Jesus was unearthing. But the world was wrong. Death could not keep God silent. Death was not the last word. Death could not hold the Holy Spirit back because God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, brought Jesus back from the dead to signify once and for all that the end of conflict and division is not silence, but love. The love of Jesus Christ, which hears the divisions, hears the unmet needs of you and the world, and responds by reaching out to meet those needs. The love of Jesus Christ that knows the world, all creatures, each person, every one of us, for all of who and what we are, and loves you completely, always. Amen. Thanks be to God. We will listen together uh, the hymn, Baptized in Water. And if you are able to sing along with it, I invite you to do so. And now let us pray together the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory 
forever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you with favor. May the Lord look upon you with grace and mercy and grant you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Share the good news. Thanks be to God.